and that'll do it. And the Los Angeles Dodgers have another date in the National League Championship Series. A 12-3 Game 3 victory finishes off a three-game sweep of San Diego. L.A. is moving on. I was about to and say. the crowd goes to the refrigerator because they're at home. I was about to say, is that just three wins? Oh, it's a three out of five. Okay. Well, Different rules. So our, uh, hey, hey, Padres. You gotta bang on the trash can when there's a breaking ball coming. That's the way you beat the Dodgers. The, the Astros know that. The Lakers are about to clinch uh, a championship. They're up three one and play tonight against the Heat. And um, our executive producer was saying because he watches a lot of sports, him and his boy, and he was saying there's just no joy on the field or on the court among these players. Mm. Since the play is good and everything like that, but there's there's a lack of joy. I, I'm loving it as strictly through the analyst lens of this is phenomenal play by phenomenal players, but there is that missing X factor of the roar of the crowd or them hyping it up to the there, There's just the joy. Yeah, yeah I the, think yeah. I, I think we got too much emphasis on the, the sound of the crowd, mm-hmm. so they pump that in, but you can't pump in what it does to the players. Right. So you make a great play, and okay, yeah, that's cool. I'm happy about that, but it's not just that. You know, it affects you physically. You know, you've been in a stadium. It, it, it affects you. You can't help it. I didn't want to stand up and cheer. I was physically compelled to by the surrounding forces to get up and hoot and holler. Yeah. Well, and if you've ever had a crowd roar for you, it uh, it's uh, pretty jazzy. <laughs> it energizes. It's a feedback loop. It's just like a, a musical performer. It's just that the, everybody feeds on each other. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, interesting. There's not much you can do about it. I mean, I sp- it's be- still better to have it than not have it, and you can't have it with the... Uh... People in the stadium and might not for a long time. Um, Broadway announced in New York they are canceling Broadway shows through next summer, through the summer of 2021. They're not going to open up. Ah, wow. Yeah. What if we got the vaccine and such? Well, of course, they're not you know, it's not like vaccine. you can stage a major Broadway play next week just because you want to. Right. Good point. But they're uh, they're not expecting the vaccine to be available to everybody who wants it until probably next fall. A year from now, so you you know you're not going to have packed stadiums this next spring or summer or maybe even the fall. Well, speaking of next year, strictly speaking about Broadway, anyone who's willing to pay eight hundred dollars for a ticket to Hamilton will pay another four hundred dollars for the vaccine and use that money to subsidize the shots for the rest of us. Mm. Oh, come on, let's get stick it to the rich, millionaires and billionaires. Literally, stick it to the rich with needles. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, like being but... rich, do you? Yeah. <laughs> You don't have to give it to me in my neck. That's yeah, cl- oh, I get better there. <laughs> it's class warfare right there. <laughs> oh, boy. Troubled times. Troubled times. We're going to talk to Lon Hee Chen later this hour. Uh, he's one of my favorite political analysts, and we'll ask him about what's going on. Yeah, so uh, nobody knows if there's going to be a debate. It's probably not going to happen on the 15th, which is what day I should refer to the day of the week. What is that, next Thursday or Wednesday? I can't remember. Mm. Doesn't matter. The second debate those. between uh, old man Biden and and the president was supposed to be on the fifteenth, and then uh, the president, next Thursday. Uh, Thursday. Thank you. The president got the vid, as you may have heard, and then uh, <laughs> now the 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 president's doctors assure us that he's now symptom free and can easily clear the ten day waiting period if you uh, have had a mild case of the uh, the illness. There is some question whether he had a quote unquote mild case or not. Because if you get a severe case, they want you to wait 15 days before you go out and and mix with other people. And so either out of an abundance of caution or, according to the debate commission, 
all their workers said they wouldn't show up if the president uh, showed up in well, person. Well, then get different people. Fire them all. Yeah, well, again, it's easier said than done. you got to train them up. But So they're saying, yeah, we, we couldn't get a staff to show up, so let's do a virtual well, debate. Well, that's a ridiculous reason. Well, maybe. Make them show up. That's your job. With what, a cattle prod? With that needle you're sticking in people's necks? I mean, what do you make them show up? You don't get paid. You're calling for the return of slavery? I'm going to hire somebody who does do the job. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, so that's what they're saying. And the president said, I'm not doing a virtual debate. Joe Biden immediately goes out and books himself another phony town hall on ABC. Did you hear about the NBC one? It's come out now indisputable. There is videotape. They claimed everybody at their Joe Biden town hall was an undecided voter. Videotape has now emerged of where they interviewed these people, and they made it clear that they are Biden voters. Well, I'm so cynical, I assumed that. Well, you're precisely cynical enough, then, because it is completely phonied up. The the I, I You know, it's, it's part of getting old. I remember when journalists were steadfastly honest. The one thing they would never, ever, ever want to be called as a liar. Yeah, well, that's a different era. I yeah. mean, it's disappointing, but that's a different era. The, so anyway, the, Joe Biden signed on for another one of those phony town halls on the night of the 15th with ABC News. Even as Trump has said, look, I'm healthy. My doctors will tell you I'm healthy. I'm showing up in Miami. I'm going to be there. Now everybody's like, hey, we don't know what to do. So is he going to do some sort of thing where Trump shows up to the debate location and says, where's Joe? That he, one of those things? He's going to do a rally. Okay. And uh, now they're trying to figure out, uh, everybody's saying, well, the third one's on. We'll do the third one. So who freaking knows? I don't know. Uh, the, the, the main problem I have with this is I don't understand how... Trump doesn't want to do a debate, even if it's virtual. Just he he needs something to happen. He does. I uh, he's behind. If, is if, my point. If that is a bargaining maneuver, the I won't do the virtual debate. Okay, I get it. That's but some if I'm good Biden, I say, chicken. Okay, don't then. And I'll I'm, just uh, keep riding my ten point lead until the election day. And well, right. And that's the that's the thing in negotiating. If somebody's willing to call your bluff, you better not bluff. And if this was a bluff by Trump, Biden said, fine, I'm booking tonight. And now if the debate commission comes back and says, uh, Vice President Biden, uh, the president, uh, he, he showed us his certificate and we uh, we were we were able to get some of our workers to show up. So can you be at that debate as planned? And uh, Biden will say, no, I've booked it already. You guys said it was off, which is a pretty good dodge. Uh, well, there was one more aspect of it that I wanted to point I floated out of my mind. I'll be damned. Ah, I'm like Joe Biden. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Biden campaign thing. Now uh, the president's saying, let's do the debate as scheduled. And the Biden campaign saying, we don't dance to the president's tune. He doesn't get to decide the schedule. Well, what he's saying is, let's do the schedule that we all agreed on, which is not the president trying to dictate the schedule at all. In fact, it's the opposite of that. But that's uh, that's politics for you. We can get into some more politics with Lon Hee Chen at uh, the bottom of this here hour. Here's something that will help things. This will make everything run more smoothly. Yelp is now going to allow you to label businesses that are accused of racist behavior. Oh, so you can label them racist. So if you go to a business and you think in any way they didn't get to you in time because you're whatever, um, you can uh, you can put that in a Yelp review. Yes, this Fantastic. is a racist restaurant. <laughs> or a place that changes oil or whatever it is. That's going to go well. Well, and, and, and Yelp... 
says that they're going to they'll place a new business accused of racist behavior alert uh, alert on the Yelp page to inform users that they're probably racists. Yelp is a scam, by the way. It's yeah. an, an advertising extortion scam. It absolutely never is. use it. But people, and now they're going to label people racists unless hello. They buy advertising. Now, they're not going to tell you that's what's happening. That's what's happening. I got a couple of friends, though, that are in positions of management with companies that uh, they they say both. It is a scam. They strong arm you. Um, it's incredibly unfair. And it's important. You've got to work on it. you got to negotiate with the people. you got to work on trying to call the people who gave you a bad review and change their mind. And all. You have to because right. so many people just believe Yelp reviews and it's just... You know, it's just it's just such shorthand. You're kind of and I, I've done it myself, even though I know it's crap. Mm-hmm. You're just scrolling through some places and the ones that are four stars and above. Uh, I give a call and the ones that are one star. I don't. And I think, yeah, yeah. some of them are crap. But and use TripAdvisor, it's folks. Damaging. Yeah. Um, or, or whatever your favorite is. But so anytime a 20 year old social major decides you're a racist, because maybe they they said, would you raise your fist in favor of Black Lives Matter? And you're like, sweetheart, this is a shift change. I'm just trying to get the uh, the sandwiches made here. That 20-year-old social major will label you as racist on Yelp, and it will be a disaster, and you will have to bribe and beg your way out of it. Oh, I do love this this new wokeness. It's just super. The reasons Wake it- up. Thank you. You're welcome. Among things on the way, Tom Brady's losing his mind. Giant Chinese mitten crabs are something to look out for. Ah. Uh. I don't have a lot of crabs where I am at all. On the gecko front, I found the gecko at our oh, house that escaped. You buried the lead. And Alana, America's <laughs> been on the edge of its seat. Okay. And well, Judy and I were talking about it last night. And I want to see what Lonnie Chen says later this hour about uh, Biden not answering the big question on the Supreme Court. So all that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Michelangelo, our board operator of over 20 years, uh, is getting married this weekend, and we're, uh, we're invited. I still have not found pants. I'm, I'm So far, I'm set from the waist up. I wondered up. why your genitals were showing. <laughs> I'm set from the waist up. I got the, the shirt and jacket that I want and everything, but... Uh, and I think I got the shoes, but I uh, I do I have not found pants, and I really need some. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had no memory of slacks that I own. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there are there are tools like buried deep in my toolkit I use more often than like nice pants. I might have to wear dungarees. <laughs> dungarees. But anyway, beautiful. Uh, all week long we've been playing uh, marriage advice from Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if it's actually advice, but it's kind of funny. When I was single, I had married friends. I would not visit their homes. I found their lives to be pathetic and depressing. Now that I'm married, I have no single friends. I find their lives to be meaningless and trivial experiences. In both cases, I believe I was correct. Whichever side of marriage you're on, you don't get what the other people are doing. I can't hang out with single guys. You don't have a wife. We have nothing to talk about. You have a girlfriend? That's wiffle ball, my friend. That's beautiful. No doubt. That is something. 
Oh, I hate to go serious after I that. remember after the, mm-hmm. uh, not, not as much getting married, but after kids were born, hanging out with anybody childless was really difficult. Just uh, okay. <sighs> yeah. We haven't seen that show. No, we haven't seen that movie. No, we didn't go to the fair. We didn't, uh, all we think about is babies. And that uh, that new restaurant's good. That's nice. Oh, God, I slept until 10 and I'm still tired. Do you guys relate to that? Jeez. I don't know what that is. Yeah, so it's it that that's a real line. You know, that's one of the advantages actually of being a guy is guys generally hang out doing things. We don't just sit around sipping a beverage and and talk. Which is, you know, golf kept me in touch with a lot of my single friends and or like playing ball. I played softball and baseball. <laughs> If it weren't for that, I mean, like, no, nothing. Come back from hanging out with my guy friends, and women will ask me a question like, oh, so how are they doing? I don't know. <laughs> we, were, we were fine. We were playing golf. What do you mean? How are uh, they? <laughs> how's, how's the things? That, I, I don't know. It didn't come up. How's his wife's wrist problems? <laughs> his what? What? <laughs> she has a wrist? That sounds terrible. Uh, I should have asked. And now, uh, indelicate question, Michael, sort of thing only I ask. Oh, oh boy, but here we go. You, you oh. you, no, but you don't have to answer it. Are you planning to have kids? Uh, no. Okay. No, I'm just too old. I, I think. You're never well, too old, except in when you are. Larry King's this? still out we, there. Like, <laughs> we, yeah, wait a minute. Larry King is a quitter. thing. Quitter. <laughs> yeah, age is a factor here. Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's, and, and listen, you, y'all manage your lives the, the way you see fit. And, uh, if you have any desire, I would point out that there are ways to affect the lives of children, uh, that do not include producing them. Yeah, I could adopt a teenager or something. That's not what I meant, <laughs> but yes, you could. I mean, Boy, that'd be a move for someone to make. Adopt a teenager. I'm just going to leap right from no parenting. Right. To having a 14-year-old who's probably got some issues anyway. Right, yeah. Um, no, I'd go 17. That way, if I don't like him, they only, you know. <laughs> oh, one year you're out the door. This, this is not good. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm already just, working on a I, screenplay. This no. is gold. <laughs> yeah. I, I kid everybody. Adopt, I've always wanted to be a parent, but I only want to invest like a year. So I'm going to adopt a 17-year-old. When the meetings occur, Joe Getty said he does not like this conversation. <laughs> Remember, that's me. Hi. Me. We've said many times, by transition, that if the ability to abuse, say, information about you, access to you, uh, the ability to surveil you, if it exists, it will be exploited. Of course. Um, uh, If you give a government a tool, it will abuse it unless you monitor them like crazy. It's just history been repeated over and over again. This is actually about a corporation, H&M. Do you know them? They make clothing. Yeah. Uh, clothing for, like, younger people than me, mostly, right? I don't know. know. Everybody's younger than me. H&M has been fined more than $41 million. That's that's a a fine. For allegedly tracking hundreds of employees' personal lives on their company database. They kept meticulous notes. Why, is my first question. Uh, Well, well, I'll I'll get to that. Um, They kept meticulous notes they're they're based in sweden but they had a service center in nuremberg germany nothing bad would ever happen in nuremberg anyway they kept meticulous notes on workers vacations illnesses religious beliefs and family problems starting in at least 2014 these notes based on workplace meetings and one-on-one conversations were used to evaluate staffers work performance and make decisions about their employment relationship Uh, Regulators said Thursday, 
calling H&M's practices a particularly intensive interference with employees' rights. So would they have a situation where they might, like, uh, we need a new manager? Yeah. We're interviewing a couple of people. Hey, he's got problems. He and his wife are uh, having trouble. And... Well, she's constantly complaining about her wrist, and it, it's making him edgy. So with his with his home problems. and uh, He adopted a 17-year-old, and things are rough. And I looked it up. He got a DUI a couple of years ago, so maybe not him. Well, yeah. They, they would do that? They, as a corporation enacted something extremely similar to China's social currency uh, huh. system. Well, be a better person. Every, <laughs> everything <laughs> they could learn about you, their supervisors were compelled to report up the chain where they're compiled in a database. Uh, and uh, evidently the Euros uh, don't appreciate that sort of thing. H&M, which has about 180,000 employees worldwide. Couldn't have told you that. Said it will carefully review the watchdog's decision, pledge to pay, uh, blah, 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 and will we'll make good. But that is something else. If, if Those of you who are, are concerned about your, uh, you know, your, your medical information, your personal information, should I tell my doctor I think I'm depressed? Should I go for counseling because my anxiety problems are getting better? Do I want that on the record? I don't mean to make people paranoid, and if you have a problem you need to get treated, get it treated. But if anybody asks, does it work? I'd say none ya. Most amazing question a political candidate has not answered, in my opinion. We'll talk to Lon He Chen about that next. Armstrong and Getty. Packing when the election is over. Now look, I know it's a great question, y'all, and I don't blame you for asking. But you know, the moment I answer that question, the headline in every one of your papers will be about that. Yes, yes, and it should be. I, uh, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that that is working. Not answering a question that huge. Um, and then that's your reasoning that that's astounding. Yeah. Because if I answered that, that would be the headline because it's a big deal is why it would be the headline. Enormous deal. So we asked you because it's consequential. No, I won't answer it because it's consequential is the answer. Yeah. Which boggles the mind. Now, as I've been saying in any other area era, I don't think he'd be asked anything but this until he answered it. I'm not sure that's the case when most of the media is fully on board as part of the campaign. Let's appeal for perspective, experience, wisdom to Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, also host of the podcast, always interesting, Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He, how are you, sir? I am glad this week is almost done. Amen to that, brother. <laughs> Been saying that every week for quite some time. I know, I in, know. In any other era, you couldn't get away with that answer, could you? No, I don't think you I don't think you would be able to. And I think you're right. It is an important question. I mean, it's an important uh, it's an important policy question. It's frankly a very important question for the for the you know, where the country goes from here. Uh, And I think you're right. I don't think there's a whole lot of accountability around it. I I, I will say that I appreciate Biden's willingness to be completely transparent about what he's thinking. You know, he's not trying to make up some reason for 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 why this is. I mean, he's just saying, look, it's bad politics for me to answer the question. <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong about that. No, he's it's not. not. It's just not. It's just not what our media's role should be. 
well, at and this I, point in time. I think it's borderline charming that he's old school enough, and I think at his core he's a pretty mm-hmm. decent guy, to say it's actually a good question I don't blame you for asking it. He is ashamed of not answering it, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, no, I think he is. I think he'd much rather be able to answer it. Um, it, it does speak to the state of our media, but, you know, more broadly, guys, I think it speaks to the state of the of the progressive movement, you know, where the where the Democratic Party and where the progressive movement is, because you know, he knows that there are a significant percentage of his supporters who would be demotivated, who would be angry with him if he said, no, I'm not going to pack the court. By the way, I don't think he will. I mean, I think he I don't think he, he wants to either. If he know if he does that, he has no first term agenda. He has no way of of possibly getting anything through. Uh, you know, now if there's a democratic sweep, then he has a little bit more margin. But still, he knows that this is such a polarizing issue that if he gets out there and does it, he's in trouble. On the other hand, if he doesn't support it, you've got a bunch of Democrats who may not turn out to vote, and that may be a problem for him. So he he is in a difficult position politically. I understand the position he's in. But it doesn't excuse the responsibility of the media to hold him accountable, and it doesn't, frankly, excuse his responsibility to answer the question. Now, this is why we love talking to you. It's not just shouted uh, talking points and spin. What do you mean he would be in trouble if he did that, particularly if the Democrats hold both houses of Congress? What would hold him back and the progressives from just instituting all sorts of wild policies? Well, first of all, you know, they, they, they'd have to not just get rid of in order to get rid of uh, the current constitution of the court. They would have to get rid of the, the legislative filibuster as well. Which are they, they I think I think that's say. guaranteed they're going to do that. Yeah. You know, they may try. They may try. But but I think that there are enough Democrats on record. Now, look, it doesn't mean anything. You can be on record and change your mind. But there are enough Democrats on record saying, look, that's not the right path. You know, let's not do that. There's enough institutional. You know, the Senate is an old school institution. I just taught a class this week, actually, you know, focusing on the Senate and, and had an expert on who had worked in the Senate for 25 years. And, and, and she didn't exclude the possibility, but she did say this. She said, look, what you got to realize about the Senate is there, there are so many institutionalists in the Senate, so many people there who are trying to protect what the Senate has been since the founding. And the filibuster is really a big part of that. Again, this is not to say that they couldn't just decide, forget it. We're going to screw all the norms. We're going to do it anyway. But there are multiple steps that would have to happen before you get to court packing. And if it's a close enough margin, Biden is really going to play the key. He's going to play the key role because he's basically got to say to these Democrats in the Senate, look, I know you want to do it. But there's too many things on my agenda. There's too many things that I need to get some Republican support for somehow, because that will make the policy more durable. It will make it exist and stand over time. That's the argument he's got to make. So that's why I'm still a little bit skeptical. I know a lot of people aren't. Boy, I hope you're right. I think we live in a pure pure power politics time. They can and they will, and they'll jam through all legislation with the 50 votes they've got. And screw it if you get any buy-in. Obamacare went through with no buy-in from the other side. Yeah, that's true. Although Obamacare has now been to the Supreme Court, you know, right, which is why it got challenged so much. That's why it's <laughs> yeah. got challenged so much. No, there's a reason yeah. to want to get buy-in on the other side. I sure, just don't yeah. think anybody cares anymore. Yeah, well, and and that's the that's the sad state of our politics. I, I mean, there's a part of me that hopes that there is some effort to to try and move us back to a different time, move us to a time when there was there was more consensus, more effort to try and come together, but. You know, you are you guys are right. This is a time of power politics. And and, you know, 
It, we just finished watching uh, Cobra Kai, which if you haven't watched it, is terrific. Man, I know uh, so many people Netflix. that are into that show, and my wife is just adamant she will not watch it. But it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was skeptical, too. You know, I'm like, three Karate Kid movies is enough. Why do you need another? Anyway, it was it was good. But, you know, there's this no mercy kind of, kind of uh, theme that runs through uh, the first couple seasons of it. And I do think there is this kind of no mercy element of, of politics that's arisen now. So... I totally understand where you guys are coming from. I, I guess I just have a little bit more optimism that, that maybe we'll be able to, to have a little bit more uh, civility in our politics. Man, I hope you're right. Lonnie Chen of the Hoover Institution is on the line. Uh, how much uh, trouble is Trump in in Pennsylvania uh, without which he cannot uh, retake the White House? Yeah, I mean, Pennsylvania doesn't look great for him. The, the public polling out of Pennsylvania has been pretty rough the last uh, week in particular. What I keep coming back to is this, you know, the polling, we've talked about this before, the polling depends on an assumption about who's going to show up to vote. And the Trump campaign's theory of the case has always been, look, we have all of these voters in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin who did not vote in 2016, who we believe demographically are going to be Trump supporters, who we can register and turn out, and that's going to change the electorate. Therefore, the polling is inaccurate. By the way, there's reason to support that case. It's not all just hot air. If you look at early, uh, if you look at voter registration numbers, particularly over the last couple of years, the Republican Party has done very well at registering more voters than the Democrats have in the key parts of Pennsylvania that Trump needs to win. Mm. So I, I, I don't exclude the possibility. Yeah, and well, one but polling is what it is. One of Trump's top turnout guys though got tackled on his lawn in front of his house, so that didn't help. Right, he, he had a bad day. <laughs> We all have bad days. Yeah, sure. Have, I haven't had a day right. that bad, but there yeah. are other turnout right. guys who have shirts. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think a lot of this depends on, um, on how true that story is, whether they're able to, to make any changes. And, you know, look, Trump has got to be able to hold on to a significant percentage of people who voted for him in, in 2016, who, who were swing voters or who usually vote for Democrats, and, and who said, look, I'm going to give this guy a shot. And that's the dynamic I don't know about. I just don't know how many people who said I'm going to give him a shot in 2016 are signing up for a second go around. That that that's the part I'm still a little bit uh, unsure about. You know, I appreciate your breath of optimism because I I have been operating the assumption Democrats take the Senate, filibuster's gone, and just it's now the House, and all kinds of laws are going to get passed and signed. I hope you are right, and I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, there might be a nice Sizzler steak dinner waiting on the other side of it. But, but, I, but I feel like my, my uh, you know, there, we just can't keep going like this. The, the, the pace, the level of partisan rancor, how much people dislike each other. I mean, this Pelosi stunt, the 25th Amendment stuff. Yeah, you we're know, just getting tape Trump on that and, right now. She's, yeah, she's, she's holding not, a speech. Right. We'll, and it's, yeah. there's a perfect example from my side of the argument. It's not like she's some backbencher. The freaking Speaker of the House is pulling this maneuver today. Yeah, you know, it's what the kids call trolling, I guess. Yeah. But, it, but it is really... It is really um, remarkable that the third the person who's third in line for the presidency basically isn't taking her job particularly seriously and you know by the way pox on both their houses that there's not more effort to try and get some kind of coronavirus uh, economic assistance out the door before the election i mean it's this is remarkable that that you have we're, we're literally 20 days away from the election we know exactly what the u.s economy needs going forward and neither side is willing to step up and, and lay down their arms to try and get this done. Of course, the, 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 the Pelosi stunt basically guarantees, I think, nothing's going to happen. But 
this is really, uh, it's sad. It's a sad statement on where our politics is now. So you have kids. What age uh, is okay for watching Cobra Kai? Um, you know, I think you, I think early teens is probably fine, mm. I would say. You know, I mean, there's some violent scenes, but it's going to get them into karate. They're going to want to learn karate. I want to learn karate, <laughs> though I have no physical <laughs> capability to perform karate. Even I want to learn it. <laughs> wow. Asian man feels pressure to learn karate. This is it's uncomfortable for me. I can't figure out exactly why. Uh, so, Lonnie, I'm going to put you on the uh, the uh, the spot here, and I apologize in advance. When you were talking a second ago, I was thinking, you know, one of my great things I try to remind people of about politics is politicians almost uniformly these days would rather have an issue than solve an issue. If I solve an issue, I can't get you to the polls uh, with the promise that I'm going to solve the issue. Um, when you deal with fresh-faced youngsters, maybe, or folks who aren't into uh, politics much, uh, finish this sentence. The one thing you have to remember about politics is... You mean when I'm talking to them or what yeah. they say to me? No, when you're talking to them. When, when you want them to start to form an understa- understanding of the way politics really works. Yeah. What I say to them is don't forget what goes around comes around. Politics is a repeated game. And, and the, the, the players, you know, I mean, yes, there are new faces that come in and out, but people tend to stick around for a while and people have long memories. And that's kind of why I feel like at some level, you know, this, this cycle cannot continue because we can't keep beating each other over the heads. We just can't. I mean, it, we, 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 if you look back at American history, there have been a lot of polarized periods, but those polarized periods always somehow come to an end. Yeah. And, I pray to James Madison and George Washington, you're right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of the problems with the youth movement is when you get older, you really realize that this the whole balloon drop and the confetti and it's a new administration and everything's going to change forever. Yeah, the next, shut up. The next election starts the next day and the other party usually has a huge ups and it's just... You know, yeah. yeah, so you yeah. gotta you gotta figure out a way to deal with this cyclical nature of this. Oh boy. Lonnie Chen, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, also host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen. Always stimulating. Thanks so much, Lonnie. Hey guys, have a great weekend. You too. I, yeah. I wish I knew the slogan of the Cobra Kai Dojo or something I could hit him with. Breath of optimism from uh, Lonnie Chen. He thinks there's enough serious senators that say, no, we're, we're not going to do this. Right, right. And they'll realize, all right, the hot-headed children whose votes we just depended on, they got two years to cool off. They're screaming at me now. They'll be fine. Yeah, enough adults in the room. Um, yeah. I, I hope he's right. And he is absolutely correct that we have had a number of times in this country where we're at each other's throats to the point of killing each other's brothers and sisters. Uh, wholesale slaughter on the battlefield, to cite the obvious example. And and we more or less healed and more or less came back together. So let's hope there's hope. <laughs> we'll have to Keep hoping for hope, everybody. We'll have to tell you a little bit about Nancy and her uh, 25th Amendment stunt that she's doing today. But oh, I was we'll, just uh... listening to it in the lunchroom. It, 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 oh, it was an absurdity. I think you'll enjoy it. Cool. Good morning. Um, Number one, she came off as a particularly old 80-year-old. And then the substance of what she was saying was difficult to figure out what the hell she meant or we, why she was saying it. We got some COVID stuff, some economic stuff, some uh, showbiz stuff you should know about, probably. We have a senator uh, who says there's an attempted coup going on. Oh, really? What does he mean? We got to check back in with the fat bearded doofuses of Michigan. Yes. From the Wolverine plot or whatever that was called. All that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Congress has a constitutional duty to lay out the process by which a president is president's incapacity and the president of any party is determined. This bill honors the duty by uh, creating a standing commission uh, of top former executive officials and medical experts selected in a bipartisan, bicameral way. A president's fitness for office must be determined by science and facts. What in the name of hell are you talking about, old woman? So she's talking about the 25th Amendment where you can remove a president. But I'll tell you what she she's doing and what she understands. And this is about media more than just like politics. Please explain, because this has come out of left field. Because I didn't think about this till I heard an, uh, a, a young politics expert talking about this with the debate um, week before last with Trump. All they wanted to get was a good minute out of that hour and a half of Biden like stumbling being an old man. Then they target that video out to the people that they think are uh, voters and potential voters for them. All they were looking for is one minute. It's all about targeted messaging. Okay. And Nancy Pelosi has people that understand that, too. This whole 25th Amendment thing is not going to make mainstream news, really. Um, and most people aren't going to pay attention or understand it. But you're going to get, you know, a couple of minutes out of today's hearings about the 25th Amendment. You're going to target that and send it to specific people. It, it's weird. It's hard for me to wrap my head around, but we're all walking around with our own view of the world. Mm-hmm. We don't have a common view of the world anymore because we get our news fed to us by people that know exactly what we want with their algorithms. Yeah. That, and so we all walk around with our little silo of news, our little cone on our head that blocks out everything else. And it's only the stuff that's fed to us that, that by people that know that we're receptive to it. And and that's what the game is now. Okay, so, so you you don't it doesn't need to register with even with even half the country. It only needs to register with like five percent of the country. And you do something and you target that information and the rest of us like, what well that was weird. What was that? They don't pay attention. But you get the minute or couple of videos sent to people. I think that's the game now. So maybe I'm a halfwit. Oh, speaking of halfwits, the Michigan militia guys coming up. Um, uh, maybe I'm a halfwit, but does this harken back to that idiotic New York Times st- story from like a year ago that at one point uh, one of the cabinet officials discussed invoking the 25th Amendment because Trump is so crazy? Is that what that's about? Oh. Or is it about Biden being so freaking old? His her own guy. I just no, I don't no, no, understand no. why she brought it up at all. It's to insinuate insinuate that we could remove Trump and that we've got the power to do it. But again, it's just it doesn't huh. need to make any sense. Nothing needs to nothing needs to fit in context. The context is we're sending it to somebody that we'll put it in context for them because and, they have polling that shows something something Trump ought to be removed something sure, and they want to reach that five percent. I think that's what, I think that's what okay. all of politics is now. And it's confusing if you're, like, trying to take in a bunch of it. If you're assuming every message is meant for mass consumption, yeah, I think you're yeah. digesting politics wrong. Right, which is right. The, which is the way I kind of wake up and look at the news, but I need to get over it and Jimmy, realize that Jimmy Fallon is not trying to produce a highly rated television show. Right. He's trying to produce viral videos. That might yes. be the first place that I learned it, was when <clears throat> we were talking about that, is, yeah, the game is... Which little videos get shared the most on YouTube? Not who's got the highest ratings, whatever that even means anymore. That, much like Tom Brady going with the five downs system, is guaranteed failure. For a country? As for a country. Yeah. No, Trying to run a country on that basis? 
is a nightmarish I think, idea. It, wor- I think it works for a TV show. A late night TV show. Yeah. That's just recognizing the moment you live in. But if that's the way we're going to do our politics. Why are you talking about the 25th Amendment? At least people know what the 25th Amendment is. Well, that's how you end up in situations where not only do you, you don't just disagree on the issues. You don't even know what they're talking about. You're talking about an issue. I don't even know what you're talking about. They've taken in tons of news on it for a week. And you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. (laughs) And I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Oh, that's a good way to form a nation, united, uh, under God, e pluribus unum. Yeah, good luck with that. I want to hear more about the bearded weirdos. I'm fascinated by this story, and I know you did a deep dive. I did indeed, uh, into their sordid world of wackadoodle anarchy, governor kidnapping nuttiness. And beards. The idea that somehow Donald Trump, through his rhetoric, made them feel safe. Oh, Lord. You talk about a nonsensical idea that a certain percentage of the population latches onto. There's a good one for you. But we'll tell you about the uh, the wackadoodles in Michigan and, and their wackadoodle plan and their wackadoodle philosophies. Oy, more piercings than you might expect, too. Lots of piercings. From governor kidnappers? Right. Very strange. Armstrong and Getty.